recognize we are undeserving, but that you are awesome. Only Jesus. All I have is Christ. Be glorified, O God, in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. Go ahead, have a seat, church. Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> so nice to see you all here today. It is very nice to see everybody. And then it's great worship set. Thank you, Hunter and Rachel. Appreciate that. Tim, one of the things I love about this church, and there are a lot of things I love about this church, is that uh, some days we get up here and it's like a full band. It just, you know, just people wall to wall up here. And it goes great then. And sometimes it's a more, I don't know, right, the word organic set is what I kind of think of, but more acoustic, lower key set with Hunter and Rachel or and somebody and it's just still great it's just wonderful worship and so thank you guys for doing this man thank you all again for being here today and i want to say especially thanks to a, to a few people here today that listen i know that there's um in any church where god's doing something there winds up being a lot of needs and so i just want to say uh particularly say thanks to vincent and john sitting in the back back over there um vincent's going through some uh, some medical procedures that makes it that most of us would probably have us in bed and he's here at church and out passing out tracks and things like that. So Vincent, you're an encouragement to be your day. And John, John Hampton, thank you so much. God, you don't know John's story. You can ask him about it later. But John's gone through some uh, some real tragedy uh, this week, and so we're just glad to have John here. And guys, it's just encouraged to be there for you, uh, and for you to be here and being with us, guys. So thanks. And I know many of you. There's many more I could point out here. I know that as I look in the audience, many, many more. So I just want to have a prayer for our congregation as we get started. So let's do that. Father, I am so, so very thankful, so very thankful for the committed Christians who are here at this church. Father, as I see, hear stories of people that um, are dealing with tragedy yet still keeping their faith in you. I hear stories of people that, that are, have sadness yet still have joy in the Lord, of people that um, have family who are not walking with you yet they are still being a positive witness in their families for you and father you have filled this church with some wonderful people and father wonderful because your son jesus has made them wonderful and father i thank you for that thank you for our church family and for the fellowship that we have father i do ask that you protect our church but more than that i pray that you would also help our church to be wise and to be bold as we move together into your perfect future for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Guys, thank you for letting me do that. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm also aware that for those of you that are guests today, I am the interim pastor here, which means I'm running the thing of learning to love this church more and more and knowing that it won't be long from now that we'll call a permanent pastor and I'll let go of this. All right, so, uh, so it's always going to be bittersweet for me. So, uh, but, but learning to love you guys more and, to, and you, it's, it's easy. It's not like it's a hard, you know, this is not rocket science, learning to love you guys, all right? Um, or rocket surgery or whatever the, whatever the right term is, okay? So, all right. Um, so, so remember, I'm the interim pastor. And so if you're a guest here today, too, and you're like, who is this guy? Don't worry, I'm not, I'm not the final show, okay? I'm the, I'm the stand-in guy. But today, we're going to be gone, going back into Acts. First, let me say, thank you guys for letting me be gone last week. Uh, it was great. I got to do a, a youth retreat. Uh, I still have a, have a love for student ministry. So I was out in the high desert with a, with a bunch of kids from a Korean church in L.A. Just a fun time there, and appreciate you letting me be away. Hunter, thank you for preaching. Uh, I understand it was a great thing. For, um, um, 
So Evelyn, for your testimony too, just great. I, it was a, in fact, I want to let you know, it blesses a pastor's heart and also keeps him humble when if he is gone, the ministry keeps going. So it's just like if, to know if he woke up sick, that people were still going to be ministered to today, God was still going to be worshipped, people were going to be welcomed, everything was going to run, and that is just a great testimony to the, to the hard workers at this church and the talent that God's placed here. So I just want to say, again, thank you for letting me be gone. Now, back into the book of Acts. It's been about three weeks since we've been in Acts. <clears throat> and um, if you remember correctly, let me kind of back up a little bit for you here. We had, we had seen a, a few sermons ago that they had had this thing called the Jerusalem Council because they had these Gentile Christians coming and coming to a church that was mainly Jewish Christians. <clears throat> and they were figuring out how they could learn to live together and work together. They came up with a great compromise of how they could um, <clears throat> do life together as Christians. And so Paul and Barnabas, after their first missionary trip, decided they went back to Antioch, which was the sending church up in uh, Syria, and they were going to do another missionary trip and go back visit the churches they had been, at, been to before and let them know the good news from the Jerusalem Council. But they wound up into a struggle. Paul and Barnabas disagreed over whether to take John Mark with them. John Mark was Barnabas's cousin, and he had abandoned them on their first trip, and Paul was like, no way, can't trust that kid anymore. We're not letting him come. And they had a sharp split, and Paul and Silas went up and went up into Asia Minor. We'll show you a map here in a moment. And then uh, Barnabas and uh, Mark went into, down into the island of Cyprus and around that way. Now, we saw in our last sermon in the book of Acts, they found Timothy, who became a part of their team and sort of was the, uh, Paul's protege, like Mark may have been at one point. And so they've got this great thing. They're in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey, and they're getting back to go back and visit the other churches to tell them the good news about Jesus and also tell them about what the Jerusalem Council had said. But they wound up hitting another struggle. So our sermon two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we were called, When the Way Isn't Clear. We're going to call it now, When the Way Still Isn't Clear. In other words, what do you do when the correct path just doesn't seem to be clear to you or the path forward just seems too difficult? And to, to, as we talk about this, when we get into the scripture, um, I'll tell you a little story. A few years ago, I had the opportunity of taking a group of about 70 students to Panama on a mission trip. Now, I had never done anything like this before, so I hired a guy who, whose job was getting high school and college students out on mission trips. He would, and he would, every summer, he would take hundreds of high school students, I mean hundreds and hundreds, on mission trips, sometimes of a, of, a, of a month or longer. And throughout the year, he was taking college students. So he came and he was, we worked together at, at this point, and he was telling me about one of his recent trips to Hungary. Hungary was one of his favorite countries to visit. He, t he just told me over and over how God had blessed the minister doing in Hungary. But he said, this last trip I took was one of the most frustrating trips I've ever taken. He said, Everything went wrong. Flights were delayed. They missed bus transfers. Kids would wander off at some point. They didn't have all the supplies that they needed. They had, they had just trouble getting, getting things mailed. Luggage was lost, that kind of stuff. Everything seemed to go wrong. And he said after a couple of weeks into Hungary, he was just exhausted. And then they were supposed to go up to a camp up in the mountains near the border between Hungary and Ukraine. They have a small border there. As they're getting ready, they opened up some of the supplies that their office had sent, the Bibles they were going to pass out, and they had a couple of boxes of Bibles they had been lugging around, and when they opened up the boxes of Bibles, they found out they had not sent Hungarian Bibles, they had sent Russian Bibles. 
And he just about snapped. He just lost his mind. Like, we don't even have the gospel to give to these people in Hungary, Hungary now. We're not, and he was just like, God, what is going on? He was so frustrated and so confused. And they finally made this arduous journey up into the back country, up into the hills, to this campground near the Ukraine border. And when they got there, the camp manager, who, this, who my friend knew very well, said to him, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to come until next week. I mean, he just about lost his mind at that point. Like, oh God, what are you doing? Why is this happening? What is going on here? And friends, his friend said, look, this is not a good week for you to be here because the kids you're going to work with, they don't come until next week. In fact, this week, I don't even have Hungarian kids here. We've got kids from Ukraine, actually from Chernobyl, who have been damn, whose, whose bodies have been hurt by the nuclear fallout in, in Chernobyl, and they don't even speak Hungarian. They speak Russian. And he went, Lord, oh my gosh, I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing here now. And I want to tell you, the, the history of, of people working for God is filled with stories like that that just seem, everything seems to go wrong, yet God knew what he was doing, and that's the story we look at today. So having that in mind, let's look at your passages here on um, Acts chapter 16. We're just going to look at five verses, verses 6 through 10. We've got it on the screen for you. It's also, we've got chair uh, Bibles there if you want to use those. So here's what it says. By the way, there's going to be some strange names in here of areas. Don't worry about those. We'll explain some of them later, all right? So starting in verse 6, they, being Paul and Silas and Timothy and maybe some other people in their entourage, went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. They had been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. When they came to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Passing by Mysia, actually means through Mysia there, they went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision in which a Macedonian man was standing and pleading with him, cross over to Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, we immediately made efforts to set out for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Let's pray. Father, as we open your word today, Father, I pray first that worship will continue as it has already, that we may listen to your Holy Spirit, and that through your Spirit you may guide us just as you guided your servants in this passage so that we too, Father, like them, may be on mission for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, previously, again, we saw how they got this new, this new team member coming and being a part of them. And so I want to remind you of where we, what we looked at a couple of weeks ago, that in this message, we noted that God provides personnel when we need them. God always provides the personnel when needed. Now, we did that to introduce our board members and to pray for them, but I want you to know this is not just about leaders. This didn't say God provides just the leaders when he needs them. God provides personnel, just like God provided Timothy to replace John Mark and help them go on and proclaim the gospel even further. But I want to remind you, just <clears throat> following up on this message, that God provides personnel in the form of church members and regular attenders too. And I want you to know, Fresno Church is not the kind of church where we want you to come here and just sit. Now, that's fine if that's what you're comfortable doing for a while. But if God's brought you to this church, it's quite possible that God has a place of service for you here on some level. Now, I just want you to kind of think about that. Now, don't hear me saying, you got to worry, you got to serve, you got to, no. You're always welcome to be a part of, part of this, guest. You're always welcome here. Okay, but 
I don't think God ever brings people to say, I just need to park them someplace. I don't know what to do. Okay, I'll pick on John. I see John right here, okay? John, I don't think John would ever bring, God would ever bring you to church, John, to say, like, I don't know what to do with John. I'll just put him on this shelf called Fresno Church right here and sit you there. That God's too smart for that. And I, you've heard, some of you heard me say this before, but I want to give you what I call Daryl's rule for serving God here and now. This is how you know. Okay, it works every time, I promise. How do you know if God wants you to serve right here, right now? It's very simple, very easy test, okay? If you are right here, right now, then God has a place of service for you right here, right now, okay? God's just too smart for that, all right? So now if you're not, anybody, anybody not here right now? Okay, so all right, so you understand the principle there. All right, so I want to say God provides the principle. Now we're going to go on a little bit further with this, okay? So today we're going to look at not only that God provides the personnel, but God also prepares the path for a church. So let's go back to the story here. So Paul and Silas leave with Timothy. They continue giving good news to the churches about the Jerusalem Council and about Jesus Christ and his message of salvation. But now in verse 6, says they hit another snag. The Holy Spirit did not let them share the word in Asia. Now that word Asia can be a little bit confusing. So I think we've got a map up here. Let's see, are we ready with the map? Here, right. So that is now, when we think of Asia, nowadays we think of the continent of Asia going from uh, basically from uh, Ukraine all the way over to China, down to India, up into Siberia. That's not what they meant with Asia. Asia meant two different things. First, there was Asia Minor. This is modern-day Turkey that was sometimes referred to as Asia Minor. But that's not even what it was referring to there when it says about Asia. It was actually talking about this little smaller province to the west right here. So we'll see it, we'll highlight it for you here. That's the province of Asia. Sort of be like the Roman state. Now, before you get too confused about it, we do this today, all right? If I were to tell you that I'm going to New York, do I mean New York State? Do I mean I'm going to uh, New York City? For some people, that means I'm going to Manhattan, because to them, that's New York. Everything else is Breen, uh, Brooklyn or Queens or Bronx, but Manhattan is New York. Or some people, it means the New York area. For example, do you know there are no professional football teams in New York? Well, it is in Buffalo, but not in New York City. Okay, the New York Giants play in New Jersey. The New York Jets play in New Jersey. And before we look down on them, California is the same way. The LA Angels play in Anaheim, all right? So we always know. So, so it just could be a little bit confusing, but that's what it means right there. It's talking about that little area right there, and this is important to know. So Paul wants to go into this area of the province of Asia. Now, you may have wanted to go there because that's where the city of Ephesus was. We'll highlight Ephesus. Okay, one more click right there, so we show them where Ephesus is right there. Now, Ephesus was the second most important city of the Roman Empire. Very influential city. And so Paul may have wanted to go there to preach, we don't know for sure, but for some reason, God would not let them go into that province of Asia. It just says the Holy Spirit prevented them. So they can't go west into the province of Asia, so they decide maybe we'll go north up into the province of Bithynia. Now, Bithynia is up here in the north. There's we'll put a little, another little circle up there for us. I'm probably not following my notes here, so that's why the AV guys are going like, you're not there yet. Yes, I know. I, I really don't. You guys learn by now I don't follow these notes, right? Okay? I just do it to, all right. So I, if I lose my play, I'm, I'm good. All right, thank you, James. Okay, so up here in the, in the province of Bithynia, you can see it over there, that would have taken them to the large cities of, um, of Nicaea and also of uh, Byzantium, which is now uh, Istanbul. 
So that would make sense. So Paul's went ahead into the cities. But it says again, the spirit of Jesus prevented them from going there. So what do they do? Well, they just decide to head northwest. And this is the probable route that they probably took right here. So let's show you. So starting where that is, all right, keep going. I, I know I, I'm off my line here. Okay, there we go. That's probable work. So down there in Cilicia, that's near where they picked up Timothy. And so they just traveled northwest all the way down to the little city of Troas. Now, we don't know exactly why or how God told them they not, not to go that direction. We normally think that, you know, the Holy Spirit told them. We tend, tend to think it like it was a, it was a dream or it was a, a vision or, you know, it's not like they, like they, were, they were reading the, the book of Job and they found a verse that says don't go to Asia. It's not in there anywhere. We don't know how it was. There could be a lot of different ways that the Holy Spirit could have told them not to go. It could have been uh, a gut feeling in there. In there like, this just doesn't feel right. This is, sometimes the Holy Spirit does speak to us that way. You've got to be careful. Sometimes it's just you ate too many burritos. But sometimes there's a gut feeling that says, Lynn, I can't believe you laughed at that one, all right? That's just, don't laugh at the dumb ones, all right? Just, okay. You get more dumb ones then when you do that. All right. Um, but so sometimes it's that gut feeling. Uh, maybe it was a prophecy by another Christian. Maybe they met another Christian who said, hey, the Lord's revealed to me that that's probably not a good way to go. It could have been circumstances. Maybe there was civil unrest or the road was blocked or there had been a flood or some kind of natural disaster. Now, I, I think that's a little bit unlikely because the Bible does say clearly the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Jesus. And again, we don't know why Luke used two different terms there. Was, he, was there something very different in the way the Holy Spirit revealed it and the Spirit of Jesus? Or is he just using synonyms for an impression by God? We don't know. So I don't really freak out over that. All we really do know is that for some reason, some way, they knew they couldn't go where they wanted to go. And I'll tell you, for a leader like Paul, and for most pastors, that's just frustrating. We feel like we want to go, it's just, you know. Now, it's not been at this church, okay, I'm telling you. But, but at other churches I've worked with, my prayer time is just like, oh, if so-and-so would just take this leadership role and do what I, it's so clear that God wants to do, then everything would be right. But God is just all falling apart because this person's not being submissive to your will. You know, that's how it feels sometimes. We're not, we're not really believing that, but that's how it feels. And it just gets frustrating. And so Paul just keeps going in this straight line as far as the only way he can go. And he comes down to this little city of Troas. And Troas is on the Aegean Sea, and it's as far as they can go in Asia. He's not at the end of the province. He's at the end of the continent at that point. They can't do anything else. And so Paul, this great thinker, great leader, is probably like my friend in Hungary, just out of his mind going, God, what is going on here? Why are we not able to do what, you, what we feel like we need to do? In fact, to help how I interpret this, I think of the, 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 the TV show and the movies Mission Impossible. Okay, whether you're thinking about the old TV show from the 60s or the new Tom Cruise franchise, Mission Impossible, listen, every plot is just about this way, isn't it? They have this, some elaborate scheme to catch the bad guy and make everything right, and then something goes wrong, either it's some trickery by the bad guys or, or some kind of circumstance or, or somebody on their team becomes a traitor or messes up in some way, and we think, oh no, it's all going to fall apart. But in the end, it all comes together and the world is saved once, once more by the Mission Impossible team, okay? I mean, I don't want to ruin the franchise for you, but, you know, that is pretty much the plot of every one. It's just like the plot of every Jurassic Park movie. Dinosaurs get loose, they threaten some little children, they save the kids, everything's okay. That's the plot of every Jurassic Park movie. 
Every one of them, all right? So, trust me, go back and look. It's that way every time. So here's what's happened. So they've got this, this situation going on and think, how's it going to happen? Well, Paul's probably frustrated with the situation, thinking it might be failure. But the Lord knew better. Now let's pause on this for just a minute. And let me tell you something. In ministry, it's okay to be frustrated. It really is. There's nothing in the Bible that says it's a sin to feel frustrated. Now, it's what we do with that frustration that becomes a problem. But just the feeling of frustration and feeling like there's something you need to do or, or we're not doing enough or it's not happening the way we'd like for it to becomes difficult for us. And let's just be honest, ministry is difficult. Well, let's just be honest, following Jesus is just hard. Even if you're not involved in ministry, it's just hard. And this week alone, and I think Hunter could attest to me, this with me, it's been, a, it's been a weird week this week. There have been more than one day this week where I have just gone through, like, the emotional roller coaster. That, that we, staff meeting was that way. Staff meeting started off feeling just a heaviness because there's so many people having problems and hurts in our church. And then there went to this feeling of elation, like, like, oh my gosh, God has blessed us in so many ways. We've got so many opportunities. This is great. And then a little bit later, I felt this feeling of frustration, like, oh, we're not doing enough. It's just not happening the way it is. And that's just in staff meeting. There have been other times with that. And, and uh, pastor search team members, you're probably that way too. There's probably times we feel it's like so positive. And they're like, oh, this is so hard. How could we ever do it? It just feels that, and, and, and it happens. But it's okay to feel frustrated. We have to remember this, that we don't see all the moving parts, but God does. Just like watching the Mission Impossible movies, we don't know what is in store to solve the problem that we think we see. But God does always see that. Nothing ever catches him off guard. Nothing at all. So if something were to happen that one day I or your new pastor wakes up and he's sick and it was going to be a really big day at the church and we're like, oh no, we got to find somebody to preach, whatever. God's not like, oh my gosh, he woke up sick. Did not see that coming. God's prepared with this. He's ready to help us through it. That doesn't mean he'll keep, he, he will keep us from being frustrated. In fact, I think sometimes God allows us to be frustrated just to get our attention better. And to remind us that he's saving us from situations that we can't handle on our own. We don't always understand it, but God does. In fact, it's a very old cliche phrase, but I'm going to use it anyway. You probably have all heard it, but I bet nobody knows where it comes from. All right? Have you ever heard the phrase, God moves in a mysterious way his wonders to perform? Anybody ever heard that phrase before? All right, just out of curiosity, anybody know where it comes from? It was a hymn written in 1773 by an Englishman named William Cowper. It was the first line there. But it's still true. And the Bible does have some verses that talk about that, 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 he, can't, that, that he knows things that we don't know. The Psalms tell us that God counts the number of stars. He gives names to all of them. We don't even know how many stars there are in the universe. In fact, it tends, every time you check, it gets to be guys not count why is it you give us a different number each time and the answer is because we're just guessing we're just extrapolating out there but God not only knows the exact number he's named every one of them the God who's directing our church into the future 
is also the God who walks among the stars and knows every one of them by name. How could we not trust that kind of God? By the way, the verse before that in Psalm 143, I believe it is, talks about him walking among the stars. The verse before that says, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. That, uh, to me, that I just, you can't see. I got long sleeves on, okay? But, but you could see the goosebumps I get when I think about that. One verse talks about how God is right here with us, knowing our hurts, and say, I'm here to heal you and to bind up your wounds. And the next verse says, he also walks among the stars. Freaks me out to know that that's the kind of God that, that, is, that is leading us in this path, even though we don't get it. God guides us through it. Now, let's go a little bit further. Because ultimately, it comes down to God's purpose for us. So we've already seen that God provides the personnel, that God prepares the path, but God also picks the purpose. And that's really important. And that's our main point for today. Because there's one more sign they got to. We don't know how the the Holy Spirit told them not to go to Asia. We don't know how the Spirit of Jesus told them not to go to Bithynia. But we do know exactly how God told them the next thing. They're there in Troas. They're at the end. They can't walk any further. And then Paul has a vision. It was either a dream or a night vision. Or who knows? It may have been an actual person that Paul, I mean, the, the word vision doesn't, doesn't even lead the fact that it might have been an actual person. The, the idea is we normally think of it being a dream or something like that. But Paul has this vision where he sees a Macedonian man pleading with Paul to come across the Aegean Sea. The, to the area of Macedonia, the next province over. Now, again, we don't know much about this vision. I think if it was important, the Bible would tell us exactly what it was. But did, did Paul know this man? How did he know he was from Macedonia? Maybe it was the way he was dressed. Maybe he was dressed in some kind of traditional Macedonian garb. Maybe there's a particular accent that we, you know, maybe it's like Boston. You know, you can tell when somebody's from that area of New England or whatever because of their accent sometimes. Um, who, who knows? Maybe it was... Was it somebody he knew? Some people, I've heard people speculate that it was Alexander the Great because Paul would have known who that was. I don't know why that's appealing to some people. Some people think it might have been a vision of actually Luke himself, that maybe Luke was from Macedonia. We don't know. Or maybe it was just some generic guy. We don't really know. But let's go back and look at this passage and see what it means. So Paul said, so this vision says, I brought you here to Troas because this is the closest point on your map right now to get across the sea to Macedonia. You had to stop here. You couldn't go any further. And I got you here to this point where I could stop you to show you what I wanted you to do next. Now, this is really important because this was up until this point, the gospel had not gone across the Aegean Sea, all right? We're going to come back to that in just a moment, but there's also another interesting thing in this passage, too, that Paul, God may have gotten him to Troas because whether it was Luke that appeared to him in this vision or not, this is probably where Paul met Luke. So go back and look at your scripture. In fact, can we go back just to the, to the scripture passage for a moment? Can, you, can we just jump back to that? I didn't put another slide in there with it, but can you jump back to it real quick? You cannot? Okay, sorry. All right, so you'll have to use your Bibles there or whatever. But So listen to me here for just a moment as I read this passage to you. And if you look at starting in verse 6, it says this, They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, 
They had been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. When they came to Mysia, they tried to go in Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. That's verses 6 through 8. But when you get to verse 10, it says, After he, Paul, had seen the vision, we immediately made efforts to set up for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. We know for certain that this is the moment where Luke joined the journey. So God may have been getting Paul there to Troas just for the purpose of introducing him to Luke, who was the author of the book. It changes, it, okay, it changes from third-person plural to first-person plural. And again, back in that day, they didn't have the gender conf pronoun confusions that we have today, all right? It meant what it meant back then, all right? I'm not trying to make a political statement. I'm just saying there's no question about what it meant back then, that Luke had joined them and took the gospel to a whole new area where the gospel had not been preached before. This reminds me that God always has a bigger plan in mind that we could ever imagine. You guys probably don't remember, but back around Christmas time, we, I, I preached a sermon about Jesus being born at the proper time and the proper place, out of Galatians 4.4. 4. And we looked at God's bigger picture for things. Let me just remind you a little bit of that very quickly. That we talked about that the Jews figured, had, thought they had this Messiah thing figured out. But then the Assyrians and then the Babylonians come and they, and they destroy Israel, they destroy Judea, they ransack Jerusalem, they destroy the temple. And the Jews only saw heartbreak and failure. But God saw on hundreds of enclaves of Jewish people spread around the ruling empire at that time. And they created synagogues that would eventually become the places where the message of Jesus would be preached eventually. A little bit later, when Alexander the Great, we mentioned him a little bit earlier, 600 years later, when Alexander the Great imposed the Greek language and Greek culture all over his empire and made people in Jerusalem learn Greek as well as learning Hebrew or Aramaic, the Jews saw a threat to their own culture. But God was preparing a common language that could be used to spread the message of Jesus around the known world. When the Romans built their roads so that they could move their mighty armies all over the Roman Empire and stationed garrisons in all the major cities like Jerusalem, the Jews saw taxation. They saw reminders that we have no power in the face of the great mighty armies of Rome. But God saw a way for his missionaries to travel safely and quickly from one place to another so that they could spread the, mission, the message of Jesus when the time was right. God always has a bigger picture in mind. And in a very similar way, God's doing something new in this passage. Because up until this time, the message of Jesus had been limited to the continent of Asia. All right, specifically, the area of Asia Minor. It hadn't gone, an area around Jerusalem. It had not gone much further than that. And there, standing on the shore of the Aegean Sea, trying to figure out his next steps... Paul realized God had something very special for them. For Paul, it meant a bigger ministry than he ever imagined because this was going to be the first missionary endeavor into Europe. Now, yeah, the gospel may have gotten to parts of Europe in the, in the past at Pentecost or places like that, but as far as we know, there were no 
Christian churches in Europe. Yet if you look in the New Testament, Paul, who wrote letters, many, many letters to churches of that day, two-thirds of Paul's letters, two-thirds of Paul's letters were written to churches that were established in Europe rather than churches that were established in Asia because Paul's ministry exploded and expanded. You think of Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, uh, 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 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, Philippians, all written to churches in Europe. And the churches that Paul had spent more time with, except perhaps Ephesus there, that the ministry expanded out into some amazing ways. And God ran into more leaders and more people there. And we're going to look next week at that first landing of what happened in Europe when Paul was there. We're going to get into that. But I want to come back and just come back just a little bit. We talked about frustration earlier. And Paul was probably frustrated, very frustrated. Because Paul had wanted to go into the province of Asia. Not Asia Minor, but that province of Asia we talked about over there on the corner. And he couldn't. But I'm going to give you a little foreshadowing of next week. When Paul gets to Europe, the very first convert he makes is a very influential lady by the name of Lydia. And Lydia was from the city of Thyatira. Anybody want to guess where Thyatira is located? Probably guessed it. Show us on the map there. I think, are we, can we go? The map? No, we can't? <laughs> okay, all right. We'll blame me for whatever, all right. Trust me then, okay? You can look it up later. City of Thyatira, smack dab in the middle of the province of Asia. Paul's first convert. So it's almost like Jesus is saying, hey, Paul, I got a bigger mission for you, but hey, you want to go to, you want to get the gospel to Asia? I got it handled, man. You're going to love this, how it turns out. That even though Paul, the God, the God led Paul in a different direction, he was still able to do what Paul wanted to do by reaching people in Asia as well as people in Europe. Now, let's talk about what this means for you guys. This is not just about it's okay to be frustrated. Here's what I want you to do. There's one really practical, easy thing we can do, and that is pray for your pastor search team. Because if there's anybody in your church right now that understands frustration, and understands trying to pick a clear path, it's your pastor search team, all right? They understand there's, there's not been that perfect path. I mean, we keep hoping that a resume is going to come in and it's going to be delivered by Gabriel himself, you know, and say, this is it. It's going to glow as we look at it, and there's going to be an angelic choir singing, you know, and we just, we just you know, it hasn't happened yet, though, has it, Jackie? So um, uh, it just doesn't work that way. So they're working hard to make, to make that happen. So I encourage you to pray for them. And I'll give you three things specifically to pray for them. Pray for wisdom. They do need wisdom. God's wisdom here. Pray for patience. Because it's easy to jump the gun sometimes and just say, oh, you know what, we'll just throw all the resumes up in the air and whichever one turns face up, that'll be the one we take, you know. Um, and then pray for clarity. So that when we make that decision to bring, and again, remember, we'll bring it to church. They don't call the new pastor. They do the legwork to present somebody for you guys to look at. But when we decide to do that point, that there'll be clarity, and they will, they will like Paul and his team, will know the spirit of Jesus did not lead us this direction. 
the Holy Spirit did not lead us this direction. This is the way that we, that we need to go. That will be the best thing for them and for the church. Second, continue to trust that God has a direction for us. And keep in mind that God will guide us and God is guiding us right now. It's not going to work out the way that we want it to. We're going to wind up losing some people. We're going to wind up gaining some people. We're going to wind up having people backslide. We're going to wind up having programs and things that didn't didn't as successful as we wanted. We have other things that were God bless way more than we'd imagine. But we know that God is guiding us. God is here with us individually and as a church. Now, that doesn't mean we're always going to follow. But we just need to first trust him. Say, God, we believe as long as you give us clarity of direction, we're going to keep following where you want us to go. And that leads us to our last thing I want you to think about. Keep the focus on Jesus and his mission for us. That's the whole purpose. We don't exist here as Fresno Church to build a big church. We don't exist here as Fresno Church just to have great worship services. We don't, we don't exist as a church just to be helpful to each other. Those are all important things. I'm not a big church, not so much, but I'm saying, but the other things, yeah, we do ministry together, we care for each other. But our mission here is to glorify God by making disciples, by growing together and reaching new people. And that's our focus. As long as we're focusing on that, God's going to guide us into, into the places we need to go and to do the things we need to do. And yes, he's going to let us get frustrated at times, but he's still got it handled because Jesus Christ died for the people here at Fresno Church just like he died for the whole world. Jesus knows each one of you. He knows your hearts. He knows your desires. He knows your plans. And he knows your future. He knows our hearts. He knows our desires collectively. And he knows our future. And he loves us. And he's going to guide us forward.